And hello, welcome, friends. Uh, this is the R and R and R show, the pre-show, and of course, the titles below where it says pre-show, they're not working again. But we're we're rolling with the punches as always. I'm Ruel Gagalo, joined by my co-host Chris George, and we got a very special guest today, Travis Chance. Gentlemen, how are y'all? Really good. How are you? Happy Halloween. Happy yeah. Halloween. Yes, it is. Happy Halloween. Yeah. It's a spooky time. We're ready for some spooky minis. Yeah. (laughs) Want to shout out Feldfan. Thank you for the resub. Feldfan, you've been subscribed for 20 months. And folks, if you're not subscribed already, you can subscribe for free if you have an Amazon Prime account. And what do you get with your subscription? All kinds of goodies. Number one, you get uh, discounts on Rado merch. Number two, you get a secret playlist every month of videos that um, Richard and Jen have done that only you have access to. And I think the latest one right now for October has got like 20. So if, you, if you're a subscriber, you did not get that link yet, uh, DM me or whisper me as they call it on Twitch and I'll get that link to you ASAP. Um, we are here. It's Halloween. None of us dressed up. Um, I, what are you talking about? That's true. Oh, oh Travis has dressed <laughs> up. I'm a, I'm a middle-aged Yeah, gamer. Travis. <laughs> Oh, I'm, 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 I'm the, the scariest sight of them all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I had my I, I uh, streamed on Saturday with my wife, and I had my Spock ears. But when I have the uh, the head, headphones on, they they're just not as effective. So <laughs> I do have them in spirit today, uh, folks in chat. If you're doing the Halloween thing, let us know what you're up to, what games you're playing. What's your favorite candy and why is it Snickers? And um, let us know what you're up to today. You know, I threw it out there. I'm I, I'm going to throw it out there, Travis and Chris. I'm all about the Snickers on Halloween. Snickers snackers in particular. Do you have any uh, favorites uh, that you'd like to well, shout? I out? thought I thought you I thought you said stickers. I thought you said stickers, and I was like, that's oh. the worst thing. It's like the it's like the the houses that give out they give out toothbrushes. It's like, come on, okay, we got one day a year to have ourselves a good time, and you're giving us toothbrushes or stickers. you're giving us flyers or stickers. No. I mean, stickers, I guess, could be fun. No, 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 no. I'm not even going to justify it. I'm not going to justify it. We need cold, hard candy. (laughs) Um, Like the apples. And even I'm willing to say that there's no cans of pop as well allowed in the trick-or-treat. Whoa, pop. Because they're too heavy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Or in Canada. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. It's a Canadian thing, too. I'm from Indiana. They say pops. Yeah, I guess it's a Canadian thing. Okay. It, it, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I'll naturally say pop. I'll, I'll I'll lean towards pop instead of soda or or a Coke, a yeah. uh, a Pepsi Coke. Yeah, yeah, I I'm here on the West Coast. I'm in Southern California, and we're definitely we stick with Coke or Pepsi. We use brand names more than soda or right. pop. But yeah, yeah I don't want a Dr. Pepper. You say you want a Pepsi. Oh, a Dr. Pepper and a Pepsi. Yeah, oh, man. Pepsi. You know, you just said the magic words. I've not had a Dr. Pepper in years. I used to love, love They're Dr. So Pepper. Yeah. They're so good. So they unique. are. But going back to candy, uh, folks, I mean, I'm all about Snickers. Travis, you got a, I mean, not sni- not stickers, but Snickers bars. Right. Um, you got a favorite? I, I have, I would say at least three times a day, I think about Jelly Belly jelly beans. Like, I really love them. Yes. And as a 45-year-old, you have to be a little careful, you know. <laughs> trying, to right. elongate, trying to elongate my lifespan here. So the more I indulge in those, especially like the assorted flavor bag where you just kind of, you know, it's like a thousand yeah. things yes. uh, flavored in your mouth at once. That one's nice. I like that. And I, I tend to not 
not against chocolate, uh, but I tend to like the more like uh, the faux fruit chemical hard ah. candy type stuff, sour candy, things like that. Oh, yeah. I'm a big fan of – well, I mean, I used to like Jolly Ranchers, but then as I got older, I got more into uh, like sour, the sour stuff. What is right. the one that you get at the movie theaters? Sour Sour Patch Kids. I love right, Sour Patch amazing. Kids. Those are, are you thinking of Sour Popcorn? You might sour, be thinking of Sour Popcorn. Sour Popcorn. That sounds sort of, actually that sounds disgusting, but I would yeah. totally try it. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Where you, where you take a bunch of the sour sugar, you just dump it all over your popcorn. Oh Don't do that. man, maybe that's a Canadian thing. Maybe yeah. I would totally try it though. I, I do enjoy a good sour beer. It's not beer. a Canadian thing. It's, oh, it's yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Someone clipped that uh, in chat. Let, let us see. You know, sour popcorn is definitely not a thing. Uh, Magic Eric uh, says that his their best candy is Reese's Peanut Butter Cups chilled in the fridge. I quite like those, actually. I, I like those, too. I think those are good ones. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I was home playing some games with my folks over the weekend, and they had... Uh, they had all their Halloween candy set out, and I made it my goal to make sure they would have to go and buy some more. Uh, so <laughs> just shoveling them in. Nice. And uh, Cheese Dud yeah. 6 says, Sour popcorn is probably not that bad yet. See, I, I think you might have started something, Chris. I would totally try sour popcorn. I've seen people mix yeah. M&Ms into the popcorn. Have you seen that? Yes. Yeah. 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 Popcorn. Yeah. And something like, like kettle corn I like. It's just that whole salty sweet combo i'm always down with that so i would totally try you know something sour mm-hmm. when's the sour. last time you had a candied apple Ooh, wow. really i never when we were at the when we go to the grocery Maybe store once. i'll always put things in the cart to try to make her laugh yeah and so like i kept putting like more and more ridiculous candied apples that had just like all kinds of unnecessary extra stuff uh. <laughs> <laughs> these things i was like i don't even remember I mean, I had to have been a kid. I, I don't think I've eaten a candied apple as an adult. But, Me neither. Uh, yeah. I remember I, them being kind of my teeth being scared when I was eating them. So Yeah. I, oh man, have I? Yeah. I was going to say, I probably, no, no, I don't think I did. But I remember being fearful of like just yanking a tooth out when I bit into it as a kid. And, right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, um, like, yeah. it's like a, eating ceramic or something. Right. It's real totally. intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. So the I last time I had a candy apple was the day before I got all of my teeth replaced. <laughs> so that was good. That They're all fake. Sense. They're all fake. <laughs> I'm not going to say whether or not it was by necessity, but uh, <laughs> after the fact, but that, not so fond memories on my end. Well, I'll let personally. you know, Chris. Your dentures look great, man. They they look fantastic. Yeah. Oh, thanks, <laughs> thanks, buddy. <laughs> yeah, uh, I want to welcome everyone in chat. Thank you for hanging out with us today. You're watching the R and R and R show. This is episode seventy five. What we're doing today, we're hanging out for the pre show, just hanging out with y'all, chatting, getting to know Travis a little better, and then we're going to do a recording. We're going to record here live uh, for our, the YouTube channel. Uh, we're going to be doing our top twelve games with miniatures and. I'm excited about this one uh, in particular because I'm not that big of a miniatures player, actually. But then I was looking no. at the, you know, I started looking, doing my research. I was like, well, I played this one. I played this one. I was like, oh, okay. I played more than I thought I did, but they're not always the games that, you know, go to the top of, the, uh, top of my head. First things off the top of my head when uh, we talk about gaming. Um, I guess I'm more of a Euro. Well, yeah. it's good thing. It's good thing. It's a good thing that we have a miniatures expert right? on our panel here. Then Ruel uh, and, and and talking about miniatures and, and introducing Travis. Travis, why don't you um, tell the tell the viewers? Cause we were talking a little bit off camera uh, about uh, like 
designers who are sort of forward-facing in the industry and, and and you don't feel like you're that forward-facing, but you've been in the industry a long time. Uh, yeah. So why don't you give us like a background about your experience in the industry, how you got into board gaming, where you are now, uh, and the various projects that you've you've dipped your toes into over the years. Yeah, so I've been, I started making games in 2010. I was living in New York City. In my prior life, I was a, a drummer. Um, I was like a punk rock drummer. I hence all the nice uh, visions on my arms um and uh i i blew my shoulder out and uh i went back to school i had like a panic attack because all i did was i was like whole hog on playing drums um and i i went to school i got like a project manager job at a like a, a big production company i was very good at it but i just i hated it it was a very soulless and and thankless and so i had this kind of weird like what do i want to be when i grow up moment in my like early 30s and I was like, the only other thing I really like is games. And I wasn't really playing a lot of board games at that point. I was playing, uh, still playing Magic, and I was playing stuff like Scrabble. And then a friend mm -hmm. of mine had mentioned, like, he was playing Dominion, and he really liked it. A guy who played Magic, so I bought Dominion, and then Dominion was, like, the gateway drug. Within, like, uh, three months, I had, like, 100 games, and I was... I was jumping into the deep end of the pool um, on, you know, like playing stuff like Eclipse. And then I got super into like Netrunner. Yeah. And then I was just really, really into games. And so I, uh, uh, the, this is kind of a longer story, but it's, a, I think, a, a funny story. Um, I applied for a job at Wizards of the Coast as a creative director. And I didn't get the job. And then they re- they contacted me again, like about six months later. And they're like, hey, just so you know, you were our second pick last time. And, um, uh, and, and we want to re-interview you. So I was like, holy crap. And this was like, like an amazing job with like a pretty high yeah. pay and like, you know, really cool. Um, and so at the end of the interview, the, the interviewer told me, listen, we're not going to pick you again. You're our second pick again. <laughs> and I said, what? And like, you don't have any, you don't have any game design experience like you have project manager experience like you've got you know like a really like a, a high knowledge of what we do but you have no game design so i like in a fit of anger in my on my 32nd birthday i watched total recall <laughs> and i made a board game that was like this cyberpunky game called infamy and I got it published like very quickly. I, I like curated all the art and the graphic design. And I used the the New York City game design group, which had people like Emerson Matsucci and like Zev uh, Schlossinger, nice. from, uh, mm -hmm. you know, WizKids and uh, Z-Man fame and Stephen Bonacore. And I, and I just like really loved it. And so that game got published. It did not do very well. Um, and then I did a second game. Uh, called Heroes Wanted with my buddy who told me about Dominion, Nick Little, a really good friend of mine. And we started a company called Action Phase Games, and we did a game called Heroes Wanted. And actually, Rado was the guy who kind of championed that game for us when it was up on Kickstarter and really helped us quite a bit. And then from there, Action Phase did a bunch of games, which we did like the Kodama series, and we did Aeon's End. And then I uh, we sold to any boards and cards. I worked there for a year and then I started Colossal Games, uh, which Western Legends. Um, uh, I was there for three yeah. years. Uh, we did a ton. I mean, we, we were doing like 14 games a year. Wow. It was a lot. With the 14 games a year with me and one developer, I might add. Um, and then I did a year of freelance uh, and then COVID happened and made that really fun. 
And um, I got to have like my version of being a game designer in like a Walking Dead type situation. That was really cool. And then uh, and then Simon, I've been at Simon now for it'll be three years uh, here soon. Uh, if, a year of contracts, almost four years. Um, and then I was working there through all throughout the pandemic, uh, which was interesting. And yeah, I, they just announced the first game that I've. Uh, was designed on, which is a reissue of A Study in Emerald with Martin Wallace. He and I co-designed a new version of it set in the Cthulhu Death May Die universe. And yeah, I've worked on like 100 plus games. I've I've done a lot more dev than design. Um, and I don't know. I, I love what I do. I work with lots of cool people and I get to do awesome stuff every day. I'm super grateful and lucky. Awesome. So that was my very long-winded now, do you send... story. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, 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 not long-winded at all. I mean, you're covering the span of 13 years in less than 13 years, so right. pretty, pretty good. <laughs> right. I was going to actually act it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we well, now we're going to do it like celebrity. So now you just got to distill it to the <laughs> one on, word. Hold on, this is the Wizards of the then... Coast on the phone. I'm like, <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not doing the job okay. again. I'm not doing the yeah. job again. Yeah, I was going to say, do you send Wizards of the Coast a uh, a Christmas card every year saying, I'm going to design even harder. <laughs> this year, I'm designing even harder. It's weird. You know, like this, I, I, I do this in my life. Like, uh, uh, there's been a number of times where, like, I've kind of, like, got really close to something. I really, really, like, I applied for the TV show Survivor, and I I almost made it. Like, literally, they called me, and they're like, you, you wow. were, you Trump. were one person away from being on the show and i wow. and then i never i never tried again i never tried again Travis, after that. that's what? my favorite show that's my favorite <laughs> survivor is my favorite show i don't know about this survivor is my favorite show yeah oh this new season the cast is the cast sucks they're really but like, at least the canadians doing well because of you know feelings and things like like the girl who was like no, uh, yeah you know, it's, i it's i this is like so much harder than camping like i can't i'm like what did you did you thought this was going to be easier <laughs> camping. yeah i at least i i at least like i i feel for for hannah in terms of like she was probably hitting that severe nicotine withdrawal but oh, yeah. shane dealt with it was right. one of the all-time greats right Back yeah. in Panama. Okay, wow. this is now the Survivor show. Sorry, no more top twelve. <laughs> list. That's it. I, Everybody, I, I'm going to try out for the show again. I've just I've been trying to kind of. I ran a half marathon last year, and I want to get in a little better shape because I'm 45. And yeah. I wake up in the morning and I don't like. I think I'm playing like hockey in my sleep or something. I wake up and I hurt really bad for no <laughs> no reason. Mm-hmm. Like what did I do yesterday? Yeah. I went to the grocery store. Um, yeah, so it's all um, the cross checks in the dream, right? <laughs> yeah. exactly, exactly. But um, yeah, so yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I love Survivor. Yeah, that was a show. I I came this close, and like again, wow. I got my heart broken because I I'm, didn't get it, and then I, you know, crossed my arms. I never tried again. You, so you've now you're now you've moved up as my number one board game designer of all time, just because I know you're, you're <laughs> so close. They wanted to, to cast me as like a villain. You know, they picked Tyson over me. For oh, yeah. uh, token sheets, oh, Tyson for token sheets, right, right. They wow. they literally said to me, "I mean, they're a, like you, we, you, they're like you came this close to being the jerk of the season." And I go, "The jerk." I'm like, "I'm a jerk." And then I'm like, "How many people applied?" And they're like, 50,000. And I go, 
50,000 people applied and I'm the second biggest jerk. Like, that's not nice. (laughs) I was living in New York and I was like, you know, working in bars and and drumming and stuff. So I was a much younger, different guy. But uh, yeah, they picked me. That's amazing. So I I actually have a friend who just got on, he was on this, oh no, two seasons ago. He's the biggest Big Brother fan I know. And he actually got onto the show. Um, Oh, wow. Yeah. And he he said it was such a crazy experience. And he uh, he was the same way when he was on the show. They didn't, he didn't know they were going to edit him to be the villain, but they did. And he's, you know, after, you know, you get to see the episodes, I think in real time or like just really like very soon afterwards. And so he just leaned into it. He uh, he knew he's just, yeah, I'm just going to lean into it. And he had a good time. Yeah. I mean, that, that, I mean, God, I, if they would have picked me, I probably would have been a monster, but uh, (laughs) I don't know now, like, you know, Token Sheen's, oh man, Token Sheen's was such a good season too. Right. I don't know that I would have been buddies with coach, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> brutal. Cause that's before they just were like, we're going to put them on an Island. That was like, like some weird, like desolate yeah. place in Brazilian outback or something. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, our friend yeah, John in the uh, chat like, says landscape is so different. Yeah. Uh, John in chat says next show. week, we'll talk to Reiner Kenichi about his appearance on Ninja Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, John. I'd love that. That's true. Oh, Doctor Doctor Canizia goes all out. Yeah, you should see him scale up those walls. All of his tile laying yeah. really prepared him exactly for for the uh, the sort of glass bridge squid game style games that they have out there. When I was oh, nineteen, true. I worked at Nickelodeon in the props department on Double Dare. Oh and, yeah, uh, and uh, a show called Legends of the Hidden Temple. Um, I I but I, that. you know, so I don't know that that in any way qualifies me to be because, like, the survivors a lot harder than double. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you're with your family, you're wearing like comfortable, you're like the worst thing is you're like, oh, we're gonna have to do laundry when we leave, right? Like, like yeah. survivor is brutal, and it seems like they they they're kind of overcomplicating the game. It's almost like the the amount of rules or it's like uh kick Kickstarter stretch goals. They're like, all right, we're going to add all this extra. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. The game doesn't... <laughs> there's a, there's a grasshopper. And if you can, if you can teach him calculus, you can get an advantage. But if you combine it with another grasshopper <laughs> and you're like, what? Like oh, that's I, great. You know, the, the, the earlier seasons where it's like, it, there was an immunity idol. There was, there weren't hidden immunity yeah. idols, none of this stuff. So it's, <laughs> crazy yeah we got a question from Corthane. i don't know if you can reveal the secret um travis but what is the secret recipe for the nickelodeon slime uh so when i said props department i want you to understand i put things from the warehouse onto a truck and took them off the warehouse and off the truck and put them back involved in the the beautiful alchemy that is making slime got it got it um well i want to go back on one thing you're talking about so your background as a punk rock drummer um i feel like that gave you that DIY spirit, right? Um, from the get-go when you, you didn't get the thing with Wizards of the Coast, you were number two, you just said, hey, I'm just going to do it myself. And you became a game designer. Uh, do you feel like that uh, played into your, you know, uh, game development as a, a game designer or? Sure, sure. I'm I'm a little bit of a, an odd duck in that like I am, I still have a lot of those uh, values, but I also like, I really believe strongly in like work ethic and earning <laughs> and like yep. earning things. And like, I think like people who spend a tremendous amount of time like learning how, because you see a lot in, in, in and I probably sound a little bit like an old man or something here, but, but uh, I, I've met people who are like, oh, I've been working on my game for like two weeks 
uh, now there's AIR. I'm putting it on Kickstarter. I'm like, mm. whoa, two weeks. Like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, and then I look at this, yeah. like, I've been at CMON for three years. This game has been sitting around for like 18 months going through just through production. And it's only now, and I haven't been allowed to say a word about this, right? So like people who try to like totally yeah. short circuit the, the, the processes, Kickstarter is all about that, right? And we wouldn't have amazing, cool, there's so many games that would have never made it through a normal publisher's editorial process, including some stuff that I've worked yeah. on. And so I, I'm super grateful that for that. But at the same time, there almost is a degree of like being able to just kind of circumnavigate all formal logic and rules and yeah. and uh the 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 processes is is, is kind of wild like kickstarter is kind of when i started on kickstarter and where kickstarter is now is like very different very different landscape right um, so but i yeah to answer your question yes i i and and that is that was like for me like going coming into simon simon's a very big company right mm -hmm. i was i didn't get to be the big prima donna like my general work policy is like if i'm not the hardest to work with person on a project then something's wrong so like coming into a company that's like full of people and like like really talented people you know like there we've got veterans uh, like one of the designers like war of the ring is on the team and like you know we have adrian smith and like just these like epic legendary people who who work for cmon and cmon is like really like honestly an amazing work environment like super positive artistry is king oh, cool. within nice. the company the creativity and artistry is is king in the company it really like they 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 put a really high premium on uh on that much more than i think a lot of people would would probably imagine for a company that size and that makes the kind of games that we make but um yeah i mean you know like i i uh i i definitely like to try to have that kind of entrepreneurial kind of free thinking approach to things it's just a matter how you temper that against like working with others right right yeah. No, thank you for sharing. I, yeah. uh, you know, I heard the punk rock uh, thing and I, I'm an eighties kid and I grew up on like, uh, I was in the thrash metal scene and there was a lot oh, of crossover right. with the punk scene, you know, in Southern California, right. we had, you know, bands like the circle jerks and stuff like that. And then, you know, through the, that process or through that scene, I got to know scenes like in DC, like Fugazi, minor threat, all those type of things. So it's exciting to oh, me here. Yeah. I'm excited to hear that, you know, are there any bands that I might have heard of that you were in Travis? I was so actually interestingly my band my hardcore band from the 90s we just played some shows for the first time in 19 years and it was pretty crazy because wow. the scene is actually bigger for that music now than it was when we were making it uh, which was crazy because I just like 19 years ago was when the last time we played a show and then I step out onto a stage there's like more people there's actually infrastructure for the show now like, <laughs> Nice. Bands are being fairly paid and taken <laughs> care of. The sound is really good. Um, and we, we we got to play with some people that, you know, were in their like 20s and 30s that were just like, ins I mean, like insanely talented. But yeah, I played in a band that was called Usurp Synapse, like a weird hardcore. There's some stuff in there that's like I look back on it and it's like we're trying to be intentionally provocative because yeah. it's the late 90s and that stuff would not fly now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nor would I want to. It was funny because when we got back together, we're like, hey, uh, we got to kind of like talk about our, our, our <laughs> because uh, this stuff's a little different from when we, you know, plus we're, like, we're older, we have careers. Everyone in the band's like doing crazy stuff now, but like we got to get to back together and play and it was it was really cool and it felt really cool to be like a part of that again. Um, very, very lucky that I like it's it's almost like a 
you know, putting wine away or like alcohol so that it can age. And then you come back and it's like better than what it was before. Nice. I, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Like that there's still a scene for this stuff that anyone even cares. So that's it's, great. It's really cool. Yeah. 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 That's so awesome. I just, there was a, there's a show coming up here in Southern California, I think in Orange County. And they have a lot of these bands that I saw, you know, I remember from the eighties and nineties, like, wow, they're still playing. That's awesome. And I was wondering, you know, you said it's been 19 years since you played just physically. How does that feel? Especially in a drummer, a very physical, uh, you know, uh, musician, like, is it, is it hurt more now than it did 19 years ago or? Well, I, I had a career ending injury. So like I mm -hmm. blew out my rotator cuff down to three tendons, Ooh. like literally I only had three tendons and like I was in agony for a long time. Um, but I've been playing. So I played drums up until that band played its last show in 20, 2004, but I played drums up until about 2010. And then, so it hasn't been 19 years since I played it's been a while though and then I started playing with like a local band here in Tampa um yeah. which is like in, insanely like literally fast like punk like fat records like just insanely fast the first time I tend to just like I don't really get nervous about stuff like whenever like Lindsay was just like so are you scared you're like gonna go play you haven't played and I was like not really and then like I just kind of go on stage and like I have this moment of like Oh my God, this is really happening. And then I'm like, okay, fake it to make it. And then like, I just get in the yep. phone and I go, but I went and I played, I tried out for this local band and I've never been so embarrassed in my life. I didn't rehearse. I just showed up and I'm like, let me try and play a drum style. I've never played like oh. this three minute really fast. <laughs> stuff. And I mean, like my arm was like, there was like smoke coming out of my forearm. <laughs> I was like, uh, and I literally, there was a point where I was like, gonna like apologize. I was like, I'm so sorry for wasting you guys. Time. <laughs> An embarrassment, but like I stuck with it and like, I was able to do it with, uh, with some extra effort, but it, not on the first try, but so it is, it is physically taxing. And like, I, this sounds kind of corny. Like I like to leave a hundred percent on the stage when I play, like, so yeah. I'm a very like physical drummer. So when I play, I don't play complex. I just play hard, um, which thrash metal drummers, you know, like many of them are monsters. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I try to play like with a hundred percent when I play. So playing my hundred percent at 45 is probably like 30% of what I had in my twenties, but it's like a hundred percent for me now. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. I was, I was I, I went down this uh, rabbit hole the other day on YouTube where I was just watching a bunch of Metallica videos, live videos, Metallica, but from their latest tour. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, these guys are in their 60s and they're playing this music. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't imagine how physically tired they would be after each show. It's just amazing to me. Um, and they still sound yeah. great. I mean, they're like you were saying, they're 100 percent now is probably about, you know, 40, 50 percent of what they were when they're 20. But of course, that's just natural progression from going when you're 20 to like you're 60. I mean, Hatfield's like well, you have no appreciation older. for that when you're young. Right? Yeah. Like, right. I mean, so like I literally blew my shoulder out just being a dumb jerk, like, like, <laughs> like hitting my cymbals way too hard. And I, I'm a let, I play left-handed. So this is my hi-hat hand. So just mm. like overplaying, like just to look cool and which I didn't look cool, by the way, I looked dumb, like no girl, <laughs> no, no person ever approached me after and was like, wow, you are a sexy guy. They're like, you look like you're struggling <laughs> in a lot of arenas in your life right now. Um, and so like my Lindsay got to see me play and she was just like, you look 
crazy. Like you look like a crazy person. And I'm like, well, that's just like that's my style, you know. It's not sexy. It's it's something else. So um, but yeah, I mean, when you're in your 20s, you you don't understand like this balance. It's just like when you're in your 20s and you have like a metabolism and you're like, oh, I, what oh. did you eat today? Oh, I ate Burger King five times and six <laughs> packs of Sour Patch Kids, and I I you know I weigh 120 pounds and I don't have a care in the world. Oh yeah. Um, but all that time, it catches up with you, doesn't it? So. Oh, totally. I remember, again, my 20s, I was eating uh, burgers from AMPM Mini Mart for breakfast. I'm like, who? that's just so wrong on so many levels. But I did it. You know, it was a dollar for two burgers. <laughs> and sometimes I'd be like, go crazy, go to the 7-Eleven next door and grab uh, some chili dogs as well. But, but nowadays. But what's, cool, yeah. what's cool about that time in your life is you don't really have a concept of, of your limits. Right? Oh, yeah. Like your limits. None at all. So, which is... <laughs> Which is where like a lot of awesome art comes from when like people, one, they don't have like super deep, maybe they don't have super deep backgrounds or like context for like what is art. So they're making stuff and they're like under the delusion that what they're making is is new or is different, right? right. And in that process, new and different things actually do end up existing, which is really cool. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Mm, excuse me. Um, in terms of that, uh, this 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 might be a clunky segue, but in terms of that like idea of of new and different and like creation, um, what I know from like Kaman's point of view, uh, there's a lot of like investment in existing IPs, and then how how does that uh, how does the time sort of shift between like getting something new or like revamping something or creating something from the ground up? Like, what are those sorts of processes and like distribution of uh, of of labor, if if you can provide some insight into that, because yeah. I know there's so there's so so much going on. There's a lot of like at Simon, we've got a lot of different stuff going on, right? So we've got we've got yeah, yeah. intellectual property stuff like Marvel United and and um, mm -hmm. Mar Marvel Zombies, right? And uh, we have our own uh, IPs like the Arcadia Arcadians Arcadia Quest and all the zombicide system games right then the land games like onk and blood rage um right and rising sun so like we've got like we're very fortunate that we've built a lot of brands to work with and then we have so we have this interesting thing where we can take intellectual properties and put them into our port them into our systems or we have the luxury of designing around like even like the song of ice and fire uh skirmish game i'm not a skirmish gamer oh my god if you've not played that game the game is so good that game is right i can't I, it's hard for me to play because i get very like emotional like when my things die like it feels like something actually really died to me and i get my feelings hurt really really easily uh but but like it's so crazy like i got to work on that game and then they like sent us stuff for the game and they sent us like a palette of me and the developer a palette of these I'm like there's this much stuff for this game They're like oh that's like only like half of it yeah like, oh my gosh that? so so <laughs> being able to work on those types of things are really cool right uh the the process mm -hmm. i mean the process for simon i think the only consideration that might be different is if we're working with a, an intellectual property we have to consider the license holders um you know what they want us to do and if they have any kind of like uh, special requests or, or, or whatnot for how we handle the property. But I mean, it's a long process at Simon. Like we, from where we start and where we end, you know, the, I've worked at, as I mentioned, a number of companies, I've never seen a company that puts so much into its like presentation in terms of sculpting, right. 
artwork, graphics. I mean, and these things are like, we have producers that are really talented and they scrutinize literally every minute detail. If there is an opportunity to improve something, even if it comes at a cost, we'll almost always make that. Where I was in, where I was in, you know, in a situation in the past where like I worked in companies where we're like, man, I really wish we we could have like a, another hundred pieces of art. So what we'll do is we'll just take this picture of a book and we'll just color shift the cover of the book 30 times. Right. And that one book will be 30 different cards that count as different art assets because we just didn't have budgets for things like that. So Simon really like puts the product first and then, and then in the process, um, they're they're taking a risk, right? Like they're putting a lot, investing a lot into something before they've they've gotten any money out of it. And then they put it up and because they do such a good job and the games look so cool and that we often work with like these cool intellectual properties and stuff, then we're able to succeed and then the 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 products are profitable. But um I don't know if I answered your question. Sorry, I kind of like went on a tangent. No, no, I I think no, I, I think that that that's a great answer. Uh, in terms of working with existing IPs and bringing them into other worlds, I, I can only assume that a study in Emerald is a really good example of that and pulling it in. Um, I know when I talked to I talked to Martin Wallace, I interviewed him um, for for World Series of Board Gaming. We were doing a designer series, uh, and he he mentioned that 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 was one of that was probably his favorite game i said what's your favorite game that you've designed he said no that's probably my favorite game and right. so i've been like when i heard the announcement that that like come on was bringing it back uh that that thrilled me to no end um what what are the sort of uh what, what was that process like tweaking it and and adapting it to to that existing sort of ip i mean it was already cthulhu based so which is interesting barely, right because not we, as much of a leap right right well yeah. but it's still interesting we took it from the neil gaiman or neil gaiman mm -hmm. however you pronounce his last name uh we mm -hmm. took it from that world and then we moved it over to our own ip the cthulhu ip right which there's lots of lovecraft stuff out there yeah. but like we've done that's a a game that we've revisited and it's it's done well and it's a game that people like um so that was that was a really cool proposition. So normally, like, you know, we don't need to take a lot of outside submissions because we have a lot of designers yeah. and developers within the company. And pretty much like if something comes into our, you know, it comes into orbit of us. And if it's something that we want to do, we can pretty much do that internally. Like we don't need to to take an outside game. But I a friend of mine yeah. reached out to me and he's like, hey, just so you know, I heard studying Emeralds up for grabs and i was like what and like i've worked with martin a few times so i reached out to him and he's like eh, i'm kind of already been you know pushing some ideas around and i david Preddy, the the um one of the the owners of the company the president of the company i'm sorry if i'm i can't remember exactly what his title is it's something but he's like one of the main he's like the one of the main bros at the something the, it's something high up he's important yeah. he's an important guy. um yeah yeah he, he like <laughs> He he trusted in my uh, he trusted in my opinion of of that the game was good, um, and and so we took an outside submission, another game, you know, and we were able to very quickly coordinate how we were going to do this. Um, he started he started he started sending me like art, and I was like, holy crap, this looks amazing. He's like, these are just sketches, and I'm like, what? Wow! Like, like the art was like. <laughs> Like the sketches were better than any art that I'd ever curated for any game <laughs> that I'd ever worked on. And he was personally handling all this stuff, you know, like I'd send him concepts for the art and the cards. And then like, also we wanted to kind of put a, an emphasis on 
the prohibition America in the game, like especially like issues within uh, racial issues. So there's there's quite a bit of diversity in the game, and there's a lot of uh, especially when it comes to African-Americans at that time. So, you know, there was like the Negro leagues and there was like the, the first African-American firefighter, right? Like, so we tried to capture like the first African-American Supreme court judge. Like, nice. so we tried to pay homage to every right. single person that we could historically that fell within the public domain. Uh, and if we, if they didn't fall within the public domain, we tried to create like, a, an analog of them to kind of honor them. Um, yeah. Because there's just, like, so much interesting stuff going on. So it's not just, like, Cthulhu. And sure, like, we included stuff like Nikola Tesla. Like, that's super cool. But, with like, Carl Jung is in the game, which is, like, my my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. Like, the fact that you have Carl Jung <laughs> on your team is such a weird, such a weird <laughs> thing. And just, like, just uniform support for all of these ideas. And, like, working with Martin, uniform support. And Martin was very, like, open about, like, hey, I think the game's got issues at certain player counts. Like, hey, the game kind of breaks down in a couple ways especially in certain player counts, we were able to make a, a solo version of the game, which shouldn't even be possible because it's a game about loyalties, but we were able to do that. So it all just like came together. And like, I mean, it's very rare as like a, as a designer and I'm lucky enough that I, one, I, I've been doing this long enough that I've been trusted to work on things like help with art or theme or story and things like that, that like pretty much everything that I thought was cool made it into the game. Like nothing, there was no, there was no nose. Like it was just Martin's like, this sounds awesome. Uh, Simon's like, this sounds awesome. And then the producers and people like David took the game and just elevated, you know, through their processes made the game cooler and cooler and cooler. So I'm just like super like over the moon, like, like genuinely, I feel so lucky. I get to have my yeah. name on the box with Martin, who's amazing and just what a cool guy yeah. that he's relevant, right? Like in a, in a, in a world where games are just being machine gunned into existence every day, he's a guy that's yeah. been making games since the eighties and he's finding a way to remake his old stuff Keep it relevant. Keep it cool. Brass is is brass still number one on BGG? Is that a, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, I think Berman it's still number, number one. one. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, it's so he's just an yeah. impressive, impressive guy, and he's just like a really like honest, like vulnerable human being, like which I mm-hmm. I really appreciate about him. Like he he's willing to talk about his shortcomings and things he's learned, and I really really like that about him. So the project for me, it's been a little tough having to wait for three years and have people go wait, you work at Simon? And I'm like, I've worked on my... Right. <laughs> I swear they're all coming out at some point. Um, and for this to be the first one, it's really, really cool, which ironically has no miniatures. In it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not a miniatures game from the company known for making miniatures. And we talked about that. We could have easily made a gratuitous miniatures and then port, you know, oh, it's a cross pack with, death may die and now you have to buy this you want to and and those types of decisions did not um you know we didn't they didn't go that route which i thought was cool Uh, that's cool i think that's really cool yeah i I think that could have been very easy to sell to the hordes of of collectors who love everything because the death may die it would have just been like but the fact that it isn't and that can just exist on its own merit and like is a solid game and helps diversify uh the sort of stuff that 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 exists in the universe too is Mm -hmm. i think really neat 
yeah agree. yeah it's it's i'm i'm looking forward to it i i don't know i know a lot of people didn't get a chance to play the game because it's like a, a grail game and like there's two you know there's a first edition yeah. which is uh, insane like there there are cards that like the cards just say like look at the rules because there's like uh, you know, a half a page of rules for one card. Like when Cthulhu comes in, like all this stuff happens, and there's no way you could fit it on on a standard size card. Um, and we we leaned into that. Like, whereas the second edition tried to clean all that stuff up and simplify the game, but the beauty of that game is mm-hmm. in how ridiculous and specific it is. So we tried to lean into that while also tidying up some things to make it so that the game. Uh, now that there's been almost you know a decade of time almost to to reflect on the game that we could look and say okay well what kind of improvements and you know Martin was already like keenly aware of like what where those improvements could be made so yeah amazing that's great one uh, we are getting ready to jump into our top twelve list uh, but um, oh yeah I, we probably should yeah. yeah. One final follow-up question. Uh, you talk about working with Martin Wallace. Um, when you're designing or developing games, um, Travis, do you typically have a partner or a developer, or is it, do you do stuff by yourself mainly, or is, does it just depend on the project? So I think, like, uh, having played in bands um, mm-hmm. and having worked in, like, this big production company that had hundreds of people, I really like collaboration. I think, I mean, to me, that is its own reward, and it's it's kind of the greatest reward. Like something I often say to the people that I work with that I'm friends with is, there's no higher compliment that I could pay another person by saying I want to make something with you, right? Like I want to share that responsibility and process with you, and I trust you, and you trust me enough that we're going to do this together. We're going to like find a way to get along and agree, and like at the end, like something like is willed into existence. I think that's really really cool. Um, so I love collaborating. I, I actually, I, I'm working on a project now that is the first time I've ever worked by myself. Um, uh, I have a developer and it's the developer that I worked with at Colossal. His name's Chris Ham, best developer on earth, by the way. Uh, and I've been lucky to work with him on dozens of games and he's just tagged in. I was like, so excited because I've just been in a vacuum by myself and I'm capable of doing that. I've been doing this long enough. It's like anything, like if you, you know, if you were a tattoo artist, you have tricks and stuff that you've learned and you probably use a lot of those tricks in every tattoo that you do. Right. Or if you're building a house, you know how to, you know how to put the foundation down Mm -hmm. quick or build the walls quickly or whatever. I know how to do all those things, but I really like, I thrive off of the interaction to me. That's like my favorite, my actual favorite part of it all. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Uh, I want to thank uh, Burzak for following Zen for one. Thank you for resubscribing. Appreciate y'all uh, for hanging out with us today. We've got Travis Chance in the house today. Very, very excited about the list we're about to do. You all are going to see the live recording of our uh, mm-hmm. YouTube video for the top 12 games uh, with miniatures. Um, and Chris, what is the name of our sponsor today? I totally it just I blanked on our sponsor's name. Crafting Kingdoms will be is sponsoring the episode today. Uh, when you. we do our main sort of role, I've got their bag right beside me. I'm excited to to show it off in ways that I've never shown it off before. Awesome. Well, no, that's not true. I'll just show it off in the in the ordinary ways. That's what I'll do. It's full uh, of pop. <laughs> yeah, it's full of pop. Full of pop and stickers. <laughs> and I and, and sour. And pop I'll tell pop. you, it took a long time to crack open all of those cans of pop and pour them into the bag. And it is very heavy, but uh, it's sloshing around. So just wait for the big tsunami. I cannot wait I tip for it the, over. 
Cannot wait. Uh, while, right before we get going here, I'm going to start the Battle Royale. Folks, if you're a subscriber to the channel, you get one of those little uh, avatars that are hanging out, and uh, they're going to be dropped down there. Y'all are going to battle to the uh, death here, and one of you is going to win 100 geek gold to up um, to use on your character. And hopefully the uh, sound is yeah. coming through. Uh, it's always it's a crapshoot cool. with me. Wow. Well, those it little, probably those will little be, but if it isn't... The screen yeah. are fighting each other? Yeah. Yeah, they're fighting to the death. This is this is the inspiration for your next miniatures game. Right? <laughs> very very Halloweenish. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. No. And I do want to apologize. I've been seeing in chat AG Fox and Salenit. I know you say you're you're upset that I'm not wearing a costume. And honestly, I just forgot it was Halloween. I had my Halloween yesterday, kind of. Well, oh. I went curling yesterday because you went I'm curling? Canadian, oh. and so I wore a big. Oh yeah, I wore a big banana and pajamas costume while I was curling, <laughs> and it was amazing. Uh, it was very, very fun. Without Canada, I'd be like, actually, Canada's Halloween is on the thirtieth, and it's on the thirtieth of May. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's on the thirtieth of May, and we're we're sick of uh, everybody else trying to force it down our throats. The one thing we keep we keep agency over. <laughs> hey, uh, Heroic Logic, congratulations. Uh, You've won the 100 gold. Uh, everyone else has been regenerated while well, you all have been regenerated. Thank you for uh, hanging out with us today. We are going to get ready to... I've got to turn this stuff off and got my next scene ready. And um, yeah, Travis, Chris, how y'all feel? Are you ready to do this? Yeah. All right. Let's get into the list. Let's kick it. I think it'll be fun. I'm really, I'm really, uh, I'm really excited to, uh, about this one to see yeah. what's yeah. on everybody's list. Same. Okay, so we'll start with the intro uh, header, and then uh, we'll welcome everyone, Chris, and then I'll go to that full screen with you uh, for the uh, sponsored stuff. Cool. That sounds great. And then we'll get to the list. Perfect. And uh, Travis, you'll be the first one to kick off the list. Uh, you've got number twelve. Um, so um I'll, we'll lead you to that so sure. so my my third game correct my third will be the number 12 yeah okay and let's go to this scene all right um let me make sure this is all in order okay hey everybody welcome to the r and r show episode 75 and here we are uh chris george myself ruel gaviola and our special guest travis chance gentlemen how are you Wonderful. Chris. Fantastic. Okay. I, I, Ready I was... to roll. <laughs> How are you, Will? I, I'm fantastic. I, You know, honestly, I've had a rough, like, week and a half or so, just feeling a little under the weather, and uh, things are starting to pick up. You know, but, uh, folks, if you haven't seen it, we have an extended edition of this show, and, you know, Travis, we got to really know him. It was, it was a really great interview, so be sure to click on the link below, and you can find the extended edition of the show. We talked about a little about, about aging and how, you know, the physical stuff isn't always there as you get older, and I've been feeling that big time for the last uh, week and a half. Like, And just the mortality just our yeah, own mortality exactly. ever creeping towards us. That's how we want to start this episode. <laughs> just reminding everyone of our your imminent demise. Yes, nothing but the, the positive vibes here on the r r show. Happy Halloween. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> Happy Halloween, folks. We are recording this Happy live Halloween. on Halloween. Yes, uh, here on Twitch. Uh, thank you for uh, watching. And uh, I'm going to turn things over to Chris, who's got some special things going on there, Chris. <laughs> That's true, uh, because we have a special uh, sponsor for the episode, the episode being sponsored by uh, Crafting Kingdoms, 
Uh, they've got a Kickstarter going on right now where you can get yourself one of these really, really slick, cool board game bags. You can see this all rolled up. Why? Because it's easily rolled up so that you can display your games at game night as I peek my face around the corner. But but it doesn't matter. My face doesn't matter. These beautiful little dividers that you can get in Crafting Kingdoms uh, bags. I think these are a really cool addition. It's lined with fleece so that uh, your games get that extra protection and don't end up looking like my uh, my bruised and battered copy of Splendor in there. Uh, it also has these little uh, these pockets on the side, which I think is fantastic. And it also enables you to, if I can find the zipper, here we go, uh, to store even more games along to your game night. This was a little expansion that I was bringing over to try, and I'd forgotten to take it out of... Uh, out of the game, out of the board game bag. And um, I just, uh, I, I'm really, really impressed with the amount of features that is on this. It's like they took a regular board game bag and they were like, hey, let's let's throw in as many different features that make life better as possible. Uh, even they have a spot where you can store your play mats as well. I always find, I, I'm not a huge play mat guy myself, but when I have play mats, I never want to bring them over when I'm traveling to a game night. And this I feel like having this enables enables that to happen. Um, so just some really really slick features as I unclip this bag, this bag's uh, top and lid, and roll it and close it because one of the coolest features that I think is out there, uh, or that this game can provide is there we go is that it can turn into a rolling luggage. That's right. They also give you this little rolling luggage part where you can take the back of the backpack. There's some Velcro here that I'm going to take. And if I'm not too weak, put it onto the uh, backpack roller right now. Hopefully I'm not too weak and it's not, I'm not going to struggle, but I'm gonna, but I'm gonna. Boom. It's right there, obscuring me completely, but you can see it rolling around on my table. And this is if you ever like go to conventions or something and you often uh, have your bags be on your back and you're, you're walking around from time to time, just being able to adapt it and change it into that sort of roller is huge. So a lot of incredible features here. They also have play mats with like LED lighting strips on them. You can check out their campaign in the show notes down below thank you to crafting kingdoms of course for sponsoring this episode of the top miniature games of all time that i'm excited to get into especially because we have travis travis for those of you who didn't who don't know um and who didn't end up watching the pre-show why don't you talk a little bit uh about uh where you are currently and why this is a great list for you to be on i'm in my house in tampa no, uh, I am. A, I am. A senior, I'm sorry. I'm a perfect. Senior. Yeah, that's all we need. That's, that's, that's all the that's all the qualification. Um, I uh, am a senior you just designer. need to be in Tampa. Sunny, sunny Tampa. I am. Um, I'm a senior designer over at Simon. So the uh, one of the preeminent miniatures game creators, content, you know, uh, publishers, if you will. So yeah, so I work yeah. a lot in that medium. Yeah, and uh, 
Thank you, Chris. For I'm glad, Chris, you're okay. I saw the lights coming down and things are just uh, falling all over you. So I'm <laughs> you know glad what? I'm you're just okay, so Chris. excited to talk about Simon. I'm, yeah. I'm just I'm still I'm still pumped up. A that Travis is a Survivor fan, and B yes. that studying Emerald is coming back, and I finally get a chance to play it. That's yeah. what I'm right. really excited about. Yeah. That was Simon's yeah. latest announcement. I'm excited about that too. Uh, they're, which they're you showing the game off for the personally. first time. They're mm -hmm. showing it off right now, Luca, Italy. So yeah, very cool. Wow. Okay. Why don't we jump into the list? Uh, Travis, you're the special guest today, so we're going to have you start uh, with the number 12 on our combined list of top 12 games with miniatures. All right. Are we ready? Yes. Do we need a drum roll or something? Oh, oh yeah, you're the drummer. Yeah, there it is. I can throw my light on the ground um, again if that would help. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll drum roll while I apologize to Chris for talking over him a second ago. Um, uh, no, so I think I think honestly I've got a delay on my on my end, so it's probably going to go be a little, bloop, bloop. but we'll we'll uh, make it work. We'll make it work. Yeah, Chris's picks are always terrible, says this person. So <laughs> I uh, so mine is, and honestly, this is tough because I I had to kind of prioritize them, and I'm prioritizing them by how often I play it. So mine is War of the Ring, nice. the epic Lord of the Rings themed two player game which i have the big sexy collector's edition version of because that was a responsible nice. way to spend money um <laughs> that is that is mine i i have you guys played this game no i have not and it's on my list of games i must play I never, asap I yeah never and we're yeah. watching um a fellow arado contributor uh contributor uh shay uh, doing hit on his channel rtfm he did a how to play war of the ring in 28 minutes and i know right. that when I finally play it, this is the guy I'm going to watch because he's the one that basically taught me how to play Twilight Imperium, which turned out to be my favorite game of all time. And so I'm going to watch uh, Shay's video here. But um, I know it's it's a two-player game and it's you know set in the world of you know the Lord of the Rings and, and whatnot. Um, I would love to play. Is there anything in particular, Travis, that you love about this game? If there's like one. I don't know whether it's mechanism or uh, or if you're just a fan of the theme, uh, something that grabs you. I mean, I think this game is a work of art. And the fact that it's a game, uh, this is an interesting game uh, from a design perspective in so much that it's it's a very expensive and, and kind of hard to teach two player game. Right. It really is just a two player game. You right. can play some other variants or whatever, but it, but it's a two player game. It um, It's so thematic and the outcomes of the game what one it's neat to go into the that world and the, that very the, the tolkien world and, and and be able to play through those stories and see different outcomes you know mm -hmm. uh to kind of impose your own interpretation of of historical events and whatnot through the gameplay this game is so specific in its rules like overly specific like cumbersomely specific but it, it is worth every second of it like if you can sit down and you can learn the meta language of this game it is so rewarding and fun and investing and it's just my god it's such an epic it's such a cool game and the fact that it's only a two-player game it really zeroes in on that confrontational element of these types of games um so because you're just staring across the table at this other person that you're inevitably going to hate because they're <laughs> killing your stuff off uh, <laughs> the multiple paths to victory the dice system the the the, the kind of like the multi-use cards uh the theme again just like 
there's just so much specific nonsense in this game, but it's all worth it. It's all beautiful and amazing. And and I uh, we actually Francesco Nepotello works at uh, Zemon. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like kind of our lore keeper guy. He's one of the designers of this. And I know it was uh, um, uh, like a, an inspiration for the Dune game that we have coming out, the two player Dune game. Mm-hmm. But my mm-hmm. God, if you guys, you it, it's something I think all if you're a real board gamer, like if you're really into games, you should do it at least once. It's worth it. Find someone who knows the game who will let you be the shadow yeah. side because that's mm-hmm. kind of the easier side to play out of the gate and give it a shot because it is awesome nice yeah i mean you've got me sold because of this game uh my good friend nick murphy from the brothers murph this is his favorite game and he is a big lord of the rings fan <clears throat> and he's he it's interesting travis he basically said the same two of the same things you talked about one being uh, being a work of art and two just uh something where you can deep dive into the lore and really get into it and he he loved the thematic uh, elements of it so i'm looking forward to giving this a shot one time and uh we've got shay's video that'll teach it to me in 28 minutes so uh i use that as a reference and i'm not even kidding oh really yeah yeah my buddy the chris who works with me is a big fan of the game and he taught it to me. I loved it so much that um, uh, last year, my present to myself was to get the collector's edition yeah. and then the ex- collector's expansions, nice. which don't go down that rabbit hole because there's not very many of those smaller expansions and they, they get yeah. more and more expensive as you go. But it's such a thing to behold. Like it's such a cool labor of love, the production of this. So. Nice. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, Chris, uh, we've got a number 11 to you, my friend. All right. I'm very excited to talk about my number 11. How I picked my list was I wanted to think about games where not just they had a lot of minis, but like the fact that there are minis, it kind of elevates the experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I like to think about purchasing miniature games. I don't want a miniature game that where the, all the minis could be replaced by tokens and feel the same. I want something where like the presence on the table kind of really lifts it to the next degree. Uh, and, and in this one, it's a it's a dungeon crawler. This I backed on a whim. I, I didn't do my research before backing as much as I normally do, but I thought, you know, it looks like Diablo, the board game. It's a come on game. Uh, and it's uh, Massive Darkness 2. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I love this game. This made my personal top 10 games of all time. Uh, I've just been obsessed with this game since getting it. And w- what I think is so fun about the miniature presence on the board is that uh, very similar to kind of like Zombicide, you're going to have a lot of minis, but they all kind of move clumped together as a group. Uh, and I'm, I'm in fact, going over to my friend's uh, house who I get to paint most of my stuff because I'm a horrible painter. Um, but we're going to paint the mobs together and we're going to do like different washes for the mobs. And, and I think that's important because you want to, every time you you hit a mob, like one of their members dies, but they all sort of move around in clumps. And and so having that presence on the board of these like giant mobs swarming towards you and you hacking off different bits of the mobs. And if you're playing as the tinkerer, getting to like change your mini out when you put on your exoskeleton suit, uh, it just it just lifts it lifts the game, right? I, I wouldn't enjoy this game as much without the plastic. I, and, and I find for a lot of games, I can enjoy it to to that sort of same amount. 
But for this one, uh, it, it just it just really elevates the experience. Uh, I I love this game. The classes are all so fun to play. If you're looking for a dungeon crawler, I cannot uh, recommend this one enough. This is yeah, it's 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 in my top. It's just like a it's a blast to play. It it uh, it's it's always fun doing these sort of one shot scenarios, leveling up your characters over those one shots, and feeling the asymmetry of those characters is great. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Massive Darkness Two for sure. I knew I had to put on the list, uh, and I'm very excited that it's on here. Nice. And choice. I'm happy. I'm happy to to put to put come on titles on the list, Travis, <laughs> because you make great stuff. Agreed. It's a great game. <laughs> Yeah. It's a good it's a good mm-hmm. representation of the company ethos of just making these games that you can sit down and play and there's lots of like high impact fun yeah. I mean it's fun. I think the in-game leveling system in that is so smart and yeah. easy just it's it's great. Yeah. Well, nice yeah. choice uh Chris, very nice. Um let's move on to our number 10 which is going to be my choice. You know, we we're just talking you were just talking about dungeon crawls and minis and there was a bunch of these that I was wondering which one should I put on my list. And uh, the, my list may have another one or two of these. But the one I chose for the number 10, which is my number three overall, is Star Wars Imperial Assault. So oh, anyone that right. knows me knows I love Star Wars. And nice. this is very similar to Descent, um, the, the old school dungeon crawl game. But... Of course, it's set in the Star Wars universe, and you have little uh, missions you can uh, you can do, and you'll have your characters, and some of them are original characters. Others you may run into your some of your old favorites, Luke and uh, Darth Vader, and, and so forth. Uh, you'll have you know Han Solo, and the expansion has a bunch of stuff, and you know you are traveling around trying to complete missions and fighting off the Empire. Um, you are the rebel scum, as it is in the universe, and uh, making it through the world. I, th- this is the first, I think this is probably the first miniature game, miniatures game I got that I really wanted to paint the minis, right? Just, I saw all kinds of videos on YouTube and mm. I forget the gentleman's name, but he does these miniatures. They just, they look like they're straight from the movie. I'm like, oh my gosh. So I took a shot at that. Mine came nowhere close to that uh, level. Uh, so <laughs> I, I just, I, I stuck with a, a really basic wash on my minis coming through here, but the gameplay is fun. Uh, you know, you're uh, traveling around, you've got your, you know, different weapons you can use and uh, picking up the uh, sidekicks or, you know, R2-D2 and uh, so forth. And using those uh, very standard, beautiful uh, Fantasy Flight uh, dice that you may seen in a bunch of the games. Um, so it's really familiar. One thing that I want to point out that I have not done yet, and I'm st- I still have my copy that I want to do this with, is they have an app that you can use along with the game that basically becomes like the the game master. So you're playing against that. So it's a one V all game, but with the app, you can play it solo. And I, you know, I love playing solo games like this, especially something in the star Wars universe. And that's why it's our number 10 overall star Wars Imperial assault. That's awesome. Yeah. There's been a lot of, um, a a lot of, uh, community around the solo community playing that game. Like mm-hmm. I know there's been a lot of input into the app and into making it accessible, making those different scenarios happen if you are a solo player. Uh, so I that makes it makes sense that it's on your list. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I love this game. Okay, uh, now we've got uh, number nine, and it's going to be through the power of video. Richard, take it away. 
Hey guys, hey Travis, great to have you on the show at long last. Uh, and I gotta say, I'm not excited about any of your choices, but that's no surprise because miniature games are generally not my thing. But I do have a few to talk about today, and we're gonna do number nine from the roof of my RV. Jen and I are in Florence, Oregon right now. She's back there somewhere doing some window shopping and whatnot. I figured I'd get to work and let you know that number nine on our combined list is claustrophobia. Now, this game is freaking brilliant. Two players only. One player are, is the heroes trying to plunder a dungeon. The other player is controlling all the monsters trying to take the heroes out. And for each player, it's a dice worker placement game. Uh, but the interesting thing is each player has radically different style of play. I have no idea what is going on in that tree over there. I don't know if you can hear all the ravens or crows screeching. Anyway, though, sorry, what was I just saying? Oh, they quieted down now. That was very distracting. Um, so if you are the heroes, you have four heroes that you are controlling. And each round, you roll four dice. And you slot them into these little uh, dice trays. And you've got to pick which hero gets which die. Because that uh, specifies their stats for the round, what special powers they have access to. And it's a lot of fun. And every round, it's a fun puzzle to figure out how best to use those dice with your heroes. And meanwhile, the uh, monster player gets to roll dice and do a full-on dice worker placement game because uh, the dungeon player has a board of all kinds of different actions that they can set up and do. Um, you know, saving up for, you know, spawning monsters or saving up for like really big monsters or a big wave of monsters, making events happen. It's brilliant. It's one of the very, very few games Jen and I have ever enjoyed where we are really at each other's throats the entire time. Um, and it's gotten a newer release a few years ago. Uh, like, uh, Cluster Robe is 1643 or something like that. I don't really remember the specifics, but still, whatever version you can get, Claustrophobia, if you're looking for two-player head-to-head dungeon crawls with brilliant Euro mechanisms and a ton of miniatures that come pre-painted, too. That was so rare back in the day. There's a lot to recommend for number nine, Claustrophobia. Okay. I, I've never heard of Claustrophobia, but just based on Richard's description there, I I would totally be into it. A two-player dungeon crawl. I mean, sign me up. And especially with the pre-painted minis, I'm always down for that. Um, but I was I was unaware of this game until he he just mentioned it right now. Yeah, that's it. I have I've that heard game. really good things about. It's good. Oh yeah, go for it. That's no, the, no, no, it's, it's my delay it's, interrupting. No, no, it's it's yeah, not I've, like we I've, we're just I've, talking at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I've heard really good things about uh, 1643 for sure. Uh, I know I know quite a lot of people who talk super highly about that game. Um, yeah, it's something that I think the ambiance looks really great. Mm-hmm. Adding to that, adding the miniatures into that to give it that presence, it draws me in. Super super excited about that pick. Yeah, yeah. And I I was just thinking about what you said earlier, Chris. How you know this this is the type of game that I feel like. If you try to replace it with just like little cardboard chits, it's just not the same. Uh, just because the thematic uh, tie-ins and stuff. So, um, something to think about, folks, when you're playing games with miniatures. Uh, let's move on to our combined number eight, and we're going back to our guest Travis. What do you got for us for number eight? Uh oh, this is the shameless uh, pr- work promotion. You ready? Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> Blood Rage. Yeah. <laughs> Blood Rage. One of my top five. You don't have you should have me in the video, Ruel, where I beat Sam and he told me he'll never play. Oh, I did I did not know you were in that. I of course I had to <laughs> you know self uh you know shamelessly self-promote myself when I was on the That's dice amazing. tower. 
But um, uh, yeah, I, I played it there with them on a 24 hour stream. And then afterwards, Sam is like, I will never play that game with you again. Oh, nice. Um, nice. That is Sam's favorite that, game. And I'm so glad this is on the list. Um, uh, Travis, this was actually my higher up on my list. Um, but, you know, you got to talk about it again. What is it about Blood Rage that just, you know, that floats your boat, basically? Well, I think Blood Rage is interesting because in my mind, it's not really an area control game. Like it, it, it says that it is, but it's the, the drafting element as a magic player, you know, went back, going back to the interview, the drafting is, is really fun, but it's a, it's a really unforgiving mechanism uh, because it makes the assumption that all players have an equal understanding of the value of things. Right. So like you inevitably have someone who's maybe new, and you have a person who's who's played the game before. Well, the person who's played before has a greater uh, understanding of the value of cards and therefore has a massive advantage. And this is one of those games where, like, I've played this game and I've seen someone, like, last place have, like, five points and first place have, like, 180 points. <laughs> and uh, it's yeah. just unapologetic in its approach. It's another, like, I, I, Eric Lang has this um, obsession that I, I believe started with uh, his Game of Thrones LCG days of the Martell's win by losing strategy. So there's the Loki strategy in this, yep. which anyone who's played this game whines about. I don't even think it's that good, but yeah. it feels really good when someone gets both of those cards in the first round and then yeah. drains you and you can't take your full turn. Yep. Uh, this is the first Simon game that I played that had these just like massive miniatures, like the giants and things like the, the sea serpent. And, and it just, you know, those sculpts to me aren't as, as impressive as the newer sculpts of something like say onk, you know, Mm -hmm. but still this game was the first game like that from this company that I played where I just wanted to play over and over and over and over. And it just felt so replayable because everything in the game is like a positive loop, right? You're always getting better. You're always making good decisions. And then you kind of turn your nose up at those cards where like plus four strength and then someone smashes your face. In one of those. Yeah, yeah. You reveal your quest because you don't have any of those and they're like plus six. And you're like, oh, all my guys die. Um, I think that's really, really cool. And it just, this, this game has so many uh, neat and uh, I have a lot of fond memories of playing this game and, and it's a game I don't care when I win a lot but this is a game that I care about winning when I play like I want to win and I like that about this game yeah this is uh, I got into the hobby in 2015 yeah. and at that time you know I was still playing this gateway games and you know games that are for newer gamers but this is the first one that I saw I was like oh my gosh I want to play this and a friend of mine had painted um his his copy and the first time I played is like this is the greatest game of all time I love this game and as Travis was saying it's it just seems infinitely replayable because you know you're leveling up your characters through the draft and your your car your you know tribes and everything they evolve during the game and I love that about the gameplay and I had such a great time with the Dice Tower crew I was I did not beat Sam. Uh, it's his favorite game, but it, I was very happy that I was at least in the running in, in contention. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it, it's such a brilliant game and it's, it's a masterpiece in my book. Um, Chris, any thoughts on um, Blood Rage? Yeah. I mean, I, I also love Blood Rage. It made, I think my personal top 20, like mm-hmm. I, I love Eric Lang a ton. Uh, yes. And I know that Blood Rage is considered by, by probably the, the, 
the vast majority of people to be the favorite out of that trip trilogy. Right. Um, and, and there's a reason it's because it, because that drafting is so slick. Uh, I, I also love the sculpts in that, although it could just be that my, my buddy Zach painted them to like perfection, but like, I, I, I love the, I love the difference of sculpt. There's only like four giant sculpts in it yeah. in the, in that base game, but they're just so varied and so exciting to put on the table. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it's one of those that I will never turn down a game of because I really, I I, I love it. I don't mind the swinging nature, but yep. it also it's something where you really want to tell players before going in. You're like, listen, here are like the cards that you need to be aware of exist, um, and and I'm gonna draft them first. It's like whenever I play with new players, I basically yeah. tell them every card that I'm drafting, uh, just to be like, this is in my hand, so know that later on when I use it against you, you had a heads up. Because it can be so punishing, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're like basically yeah, doing, love, love getting it to the table. You're doing mm-hmm. martial arts and you're like explaining every blow as right <laughs> before you land it. <laughs> Here's the part where yeah. my boat and the sea serpents are going to be sacrificed <laughs> for eight victory points. And then I'm going to endless, yeah. and then I'm going to pay a rage to put them back out. And yeah. I'm just going to repeat this at churning points yeah. over and over and there's really nothing you're going to be able to do right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> oh man. yeah it's great yeah yeah, yeah. the I'm feeling of right the... before not not enough yeah yes. not enough for them to get out of the way yep but just so that they seem like it was a fair fight i think this is a game too like when you get one of the additional miniatures outside of your your clan mm-hmm. like it feels mm-hmm good like you feel special and you're like yeah. even and it's almost yeah. funny how they get bigger as you go into later <laughs> right games. like you get the troll <laughs> in the first stage you're like he's pretty gross and yes. pretty big and then the fire giant comes out in the next one you're yeah. like oh my god yeah. <laughs> i love that you know just one quick uh thought I, this was the game that i use I, it's been a while since i've been doing the uh, open game nights um you know since the pandemic and everything but slowly but surely getting in, back into them this is like the third of the trilogy of like i would introduce players to card drafting so i'd always start with sushi go and then i go to mm-hmm. seven wonders and then this would be like the uh, the end of the trilogy is okay you've done sushi go you've done seven wonders now let's play some blood rage you know it's Still card drafting, but you got a lot of a lot of cool minis to, nice. to play with now. Okay, yeah, awesome choice, uh, Travis. Let's move on to our number seven, Chris. What do you got for us? Oh yeah, I was I was love talking about Blood Rage so much. I was like, wait, that wasn't even my pick. <laughs> uh, I have a pick now, and uh, and this is this is again a game where the minis really elevate it for me. The the minis are what made me take note of it. Uh, it's got a unique art style that you don't see that much. And putting that art style into mini form, I was like, yeah, I really want this in my collection. Uh, it's Townsfolk Tussle. Uh, so Townsfolk Tussle is, uh, it's a it's a boss battler, right? It's a, it's a kind of a skirmishy game. And here we're seeing a prototype. So you just see the standees and you don't, and you're not seeing the minis, but there's the minis uh, 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 in, in the box. Uh, it's got this sort of cuphead cartoony art style. Uh, and, you go through in the main game, you go through four, you have to fight four bosses and these bosses get progressively harder and harder. I would say, don't do that. I would say fight two bosses. Mm-hmm. And that feels like a nice condensed session uh, on four bosses. It, it, it feels like it starts to get a little bit repetitive and you're like, okay, I'm doing the same thing. And, and I could move on to another game, but at like two, it's like the sweet spot for me. 
um, two to two to three, and they've changed that in the expansion. It's like an official variant of like, oh, just play three bosses and and uh, level up your characters in between a little bit better, or you start out with a little bit extra gear or whatever. Uh, but but it's really really charming. Um, me- mechanically, I don't know if uh, it. It, it has it's it's I, I was really enamored with it and then the more i played it i was like okay i think because it starts to feel a bit a bit samey but i i just find that the the minis and the table presence and the world is one that i really want to dive back into and so it's it's one where where when i was thinking about top games with miniatures i'm like yeah it is the art style it is the it, is, it are the minis that bring me into this world and and make me want to get this off my shelf um i i I was contemplating like this and like Monster Hunter World, who mm. have the, like those friggin' giant minis. But uh, I, I opted with this because of like the uniqueness of they're both boss bat- battlers, right, and have kind of a, a similar flow and feel. Uh, but I opted for this one because of the the presence that it brings and the art style and uh, and how much that art style really informs and makes the world enjoyable to play. Which, if I was just moving tokens around, I don't know if there'd be enough. Um, mechanically to keep me as invested, but because I have like the characters and the art and like get to add extra uh, items and equip items and that sort of stuff. It's, it's definitely a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's our collective number seven townsfolk tussle. Nice. I haven't played that one. I haven't either. Um, Same. I've only seen it, but uh, just based on your description, uh, Chris, this is, and I was looking at the video, I was like, I, I, I would love to jump in this world, you mm-hmm. know, and that's where these minis really it's do really, that. Yeah, yeah. They, they really do bring you into that world, right? Yeah, it's really solid. I think, I think um, it, it doesn't have as much complexity as a lot of other sort of boss battlers. And so not as much like rules overhead. You, you're really, it's, it's stat checks. It's a lot of stat checks and a lot of similar stat checks. And so if that, that, that's, that's a positive and a negative to some people, right? That's a uh, positive in terms of, of low, lower rules overhead and just getting the game going. Uh, it's a, it's a negative. If you like your crunchy tactical moves and then the monsters adjust and, you know, this one, it's all about figuring out the puzzle of interacting with the terrain and mm-hmm. using the terrain to deal the bouts of damage that your piddly little weapons cannot do. Uh, <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> you don't use the terrain effectively like the bosses. They'll just stomp you. Uh, yeah. But if you do figure out how to use the terrain to your advantage, then you can, uh, then you can come out on top. Very it's really nice. interesting, this art style that's that's like uh, Vagrant Song mm-hmm. and that, that Cuphead mm-hmm. style. It's interesting that so many games are leaning into that. It's cool. I mean, when I've seen, I remember seeing yeah. Vagrant Song at, uh, uh, what was it, PAX Unplugged last year, and I stopped, and I mm-hmm. kept stopping at the booth because I was like, this looks so neat. I, and it's a similar yeah. style in terms of aesthetic, so... Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd love to see more games yeah. use that, that style of art. I think it'd be neat. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. I I love Vagrant Song's art as well. Like, the, but they have acrylic they have acrylic standees right as they're right. like up level. They didn't go the mini route, and I so I thought it was neat too that um uh they both are kind of similar in terms of boss battler style, but Townsfolk Tussle was like, no, we're gonna go with minis and. Uh, and I like seeing them. There's something about the 3D nature of right. what should be a 2D character. Yeah. That is, that's a very fun juxtaposition. Absolutely. Cool. Great choice for our number seven. Let's move on to our number six. This is my choice mm-hmm. for the list. Uh, this, I'm going to say, it was the greatest deal I've ever gotten on a board game, period. 
I, nothing even comes close. And it's our collective number six. It's a game called Mechs vs. Minions. And when this game came out, it was $75 retail, 75 US shipped. And yeah. this game, it should be a couple of hundred dollars with the amount of stuff they packed in there. And it's because it's Riot Games. They've got that League of Legends money, so they could totally take a loss on this. But they, it was like their love letter to board games. Uh, they are, you know, there's a bunch of developers there that are board gamers, and just, they decided, hey, let's do our own. And they came up with this uh, program um, program movement uh, game, and it's a campaign style game. You have ten missions. You each control a character, and these minis, <coughs> the characters themselves are fully painted. And then all the minis have like a wash on them. And I've never come across another game again. Riot Games got all kinds of money in the world; they can afford to do this. But no other game that I've purchased at retail has been this phenomenal and the game itself is fun um i'm normally not a program um movement type of guy uh just it can be chaotic but in this case it works uh just having the chaos of hey you're running in, into your um you know your uh fellow players and trying to complete these missions why do you keep bumping into me that's always a fun thing uh but then trying to you know navigate the different like oil slicks and all kinds of different things I think it's a great game and it's totally replayable. I mean, it is set up like a, a legacy style game that you can totally go back and do missions uh, over. But they also have a very uh, cool thing online where people had created their own missions and they also uh, came up with a few as well. Uh, there are some secrets as well, which which is really neat. I won't. I mean, the game's been out for years, but I, I still won't um, spoil them. But there are some secrets in the box that you will eventually get to. Um, and as you can see here, this is Richard's run-through from a couple of years ago. You are basically playing cards uh, secretly, then you reveal them at the same time, and then you move your uh, characters and hopefully destroy all the minions. But uh, this is one I've had so much fun with, and I still enjoy it to this day. This is Mechs versus Minions. Yeah, such a phenomenal deal. Just like... I, I love a good deal. I, I'm not a huge fan of program movement either. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I'm not, that doesn't tickle me, mm -hmm. but I've often contemplated it just because I'm like, you know what? I need to pay homage to like one of the best board gaming deals that ever existed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel was... like my love for deals and recognizing like the amount of stuff that you got in that box when it came out yeah. for like the price. It was insane. Uh... <laughs> insane. That's Game Tray's first game too. Oh, is, it was, was it really their first game? Yeah. Whoa. Was it, was it really? Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, wow. I, I, Pretty impressive first run, eh? Really impressive. Yeah. Very yeah. cool game. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm watching the video right now, just remembering the, some of the things that uh, you do here. It's just so it's just beautifully produced, and um, just everything was so over the top for what it was, and but it worked, and, and it was again. We've talked about this a few times uh, on the list where. I couldn't imagine this. Yes, you could play it with just cardboard chits, replacing all the characters and and minions and stuff, but it would not nearly be as much fun as it is with all the uh, characters and all, all the doodads that you get uh, in the box. All right, so mm -hmm. let's move on to our number uh, five, and we've got Richard, so take it away, Richard, right now. Okay, uh, good choices. I'm definitely uh, getting a bit more excited about what you guys think. Uh, although, I'll be honest, Blood Rage, I did try it once, not for me. But I would definitely give Townsfolk Tussle a go sometime, Chris, uh, because 
I mean, I just love the look of it so much. And Ruel, you stole one of mine. The Max vs. Minion should have been on my list, but you rated it a bit higher than me, which is why you get the call. But that's okay, because I'm here at the end of a day of travel. There's the Umqua Lighthouse in the background. I just finished setting up my Starlink, uh, so we'll have internet for tonight. Let's just come over here and give you a... Uh, a look at our view that we'll be having through our front window this evening. Actually, I guess the sun is kind of blotting out. That's an ocean out there. But anyway, uh, what's number, where are we at now? We're at number five on the list, correct? Yes. Uh, what was it? Oh, I bet you nobody's heard of this one, right? A Space Alert Away Mission. This game is so fantastic and it flies so under the radar. It was, I believe, the one time that Stronghold Games, under um, the uh, leadership of Stephen Bonacore, actually tried to make a mini heavy game, and I love it to pieces. It's nothing like the original Space Cadets. Uh, it's its own thing. It's a cooperative, it's another co uh, dungeon crawl, but this time cooperative, unlike my previous one, Claustrophobia. And, um, you know, we're on a bunch of different space stations fighting all kinds of scary space aliens. It's very much patterned after kind of a pulp sci-fi Buck Rogers vibe, which is a lot of fun. And it comes with dozens and dozens and dozens of missions, tons, tons of content, you know, like almost a Gloomhaven level of content to it. But what's really interesting is it has a lot of dice rolling, right? Which I admit, rolled resolve is generally not a really attractive thing for me, although in a co-op experience, Experience, it's a bit better. But here's the deal. When I am setting up to, you know, hack the computer or fight the alien or whatever it is I need to roll dice to see if I succeed or not, the beautiful thing is the dice rolling is almost a formality. We are such super powerful characters compared to the problems we come across. Anytime we attempt something, it's very unlikely that we're not going to succeed. We're not going to be able to roll successfully. The interesting thing is the dice all have extra little explosion pips on them on some of the faces. And that's what you really want. You're rolling for those bonus activation actions because the more of them you get, and therefore the more dice you want to roll, the more you can activate all kinds of powers based on who your character is, based on what your weapons and items are, based on where you are, even based on the aliens in the room that you're fighting against, that you could activate weaknesses on them as opposed to strengths on yourself. And so every round, yeah, I want to get in position. I want to do some kind of skill check not because i care about that i mean that's just that's just getting to the good part rolling the dice so i can see how many of my bonus actions i get to do and then figuring out how i'm going to spend them amongst all the different ways i can and it's really cool and it has a lot of miniatures of course uh you know again that really kind of pulp 50 sci-fi um vibe it's absolutely wonderful and it's a real shame that it did not get more attention because i think it's it's just delightful number five on the list space cadets away missions yeah um, i remember when this game was out and i have excuse me i have a feeling uh that when it came out it was sort of overshadowed by another game called captain sonar and I remember friends of mine, they got into uh, Space Cadets. They were really into it. But the second uh, Captain Sonar came out, that's all we played. Um, it, it played up to eight players. I think Cadets was right. like up to six or whatever. And even though they're totally different games, I think at that time, just the the wave of like, not hysteria, but the wave of hype of Captain Sonar sort of just left some games uh, in the dust, maybe. So that might be part of it. Um, I have... Uh, I, I don't know. Thoughts, uh, guys, on, on that, on Space Cadets? 
I think wasn't Space Cadets like a different game? There wasn't there a prior Space Cadets that yeah. was like a bunch of little mini. Is that Jeff Engelstein? Is that who did this that, game? That might be. I think mm-hmm. you're right, Travis. Yeah, let me. Uh, I'll, I'll look it up right now. Since we're uh, here. Yeah, I know. I know Jeff and Sydney Engelstein did Space Cadets, but this yep. Space Cadets was designed by Dan Rathbler and Al Rose. Oh, okay. Uh, came out in 2015, Space Cadets Away Missions. Okay, so I'm totally uh, thinking still, of a different. But still game. published by okay. Stronghold Games. Got it. Yeah. Okay, so I'm totally off base here then. But, yeah. uh, I've never, yeah, I've never played this game ever. Yeah, I thought I yeah. had, but apparently yeah, I have. I've, I've also okay. heard more about the yeah the the 2012 Space Cadets with yep. um, Jeff and Sydney. Okay, well uh, there it is. Yeah, uh, but it's a good pick. Rocket. A nice, a nice fun. That's what these lists are about, you know. Yeah, getting that fun pick. All right, cool. Um, let's move on. We've got four games left. Uh, thank you for hanging out with us today, folks. Uh, number four is going to go back to Travis. All right. Nemesis. Preferably mm. Lockdown. Preferably Lockdown. There it is. And we've got nice. Shay doing the rattle run through there in the video. He got me to buy this thing. That's that's the... Oh, really? What, what, what made you buy it based on uh, <laughs> this run through? That's my undying love of Shay. No, um, <laughs> he just does a really good job of breaking stuff down. I, I feel like when he's talking, uh, when he's explaining things, he does a good job of kind of almost like making it uh, di- easily digestible while also giving you a real idea of depth and complexity. Because he does yep. tend to talk a lot about these really complex games and and like War of the Ring, my, my other pick, this is a game that has a kind of a meta language of its own. As a designer, I think this game is like a masterpiece. Like this should not work. It is just like, you know, you woke up and just every bad thing could happen to you. And like somehow that someone was filming you and that became like an incredible TV show or something. Like it's just like, oh, what did you do? Oh, I I went to work today and then uh, nine rooms caught on fire. And then, you know, someone was trying to kill me. I went through an air duct. I got my leg ripped off and my guts were hanging. I've played games of this that, like, they're so cinematic. And this game is, it's just so much bad stuff happens. And yet there's this weird understanding with the players that that's a part of the game. You can, I played this with Lindsay at Dice Tower Retreat and she misread her card and murdered me, like vented me into space <laughs> because she thought her card said, oh, there can only be one other survivor. And it said one or more other survivors. So she just killed me by accident. <laughs> and then I, I was like, what does your card say? And I read it and then she's like, don't tell everyone they're going to. You know, they're going to think I'm stupid. I'm like, and then we're playing with Zev, Z-Man Zev. And Zev's character is just like cowering in a corridor that's unsafe because he's afraid he's going to be next. And it's just, you know, and then I was the guy that went and got everyone's sandwiches. Uh, and that should be a bad time, but it was an amazing time because it was funny and it was memorable. The last time I played it, the entire ship facility burned to the ground and we all died. Um, I played it where I escaped and I ended up winning and another guy got to an escape pod, got in the escape pod, failed some kind of a role and his like guts fell out and he died like as he was being shot in space in an escape pod. So it's like if you're a fan of the Alien franchise, there is no game that is closer to the Alien franchise than this. The the, the game, the core loop of the system is super simple, but there's all this, once again, specificity with remembering what these rooms do and how you can use these rooms to kind of hack the game uh, I, I just, I think it's awesome. Like, I think it's such a really great game. And I think the miniatures do 
help elevate. It gives you a sense of being in a three-dimensional space. If you feel like you're, you know, you're trying to embody that person that you are in the game. So I don't know. That's, yeah, that's mine. I think it's great. Yeah, um, yeah, I've not been able Great to play this pick. yet, but this was on my list. Yeah, this is as you said, this is uh, alien in a, in a board game form, and that's that's what everyone tells me. And I I love the Alien franchise, and I would this is a game that has to be, I I need to play. And just looking at Shay's video, this is the one I I will uh, turn to when I eventually do play it. Um, Chris, you haven't played this either, correct? No, no, I have. Oh, you it have. It's on my list. It, it's in my top twenty. It's nice. it's so good, and, and I and I agree a hundred percent in terms of the cinematic experience. That's how I always describe it. Mm. I can remember more specific games of Nemesis than I think I can almost any other game. Um, maybe not, maybe not the game that I'm about to talk about. But uh, other than that, it, like specifics, like really specifics about it, like one. Uh, one time where my buddy just again made a beeline for that escape pod and took out and was like laughing at all of us as he like set every room on fire as he went out it's just like where you make an unlikely alliance and then where where i ran back in to try to drag somebody out and then got covered in slime and all the aliens attacked me it's it's so it's so memorable. It's so memorable. The storytelling that emerges from this game is so good. And and why it also was on my list uh, is because whenever well, the first time I played it, uh, my buddy my buddy Zach had backed it on Kickstarter, and so he's like, okay, he he had hidden all the minis, all the alien minis from us. And so when an alien popped out, he then took the mini from the box yeah. and like, slammed it <laughs> on the table. And so we first had a little a little face hugger popped out for us, and we're like, okay. And then immediately the next room, the queen came out. Like right away, and he's just boom. This giant queen was there. And we're like, this is the very beginning of the game, and it's like doesn't matter. So we were all like running away from the queen. Amazing! Uh, it was just a friggin' blast. Like yeah, yeah, an awesome pick. So cool. This game is so good. I agree in terms of I would I would opt for lockdown because I like the mechanics a little bit more in lockdown. I think they're a bit yeah. more like refined. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the theme is is maybe a bit uh, more percolating in the in the original game because it is on that it's on the ship it's on the right. nostromo or mm-hmm. whatever but um the nemesis but uh yeah yeah the, the nemesis so yeah sorry definitely definitely the nemesis it's not, <laughs> not anything else <laughs> certainly not <laughs> yeah nice all right uh chris um let's go to you for our collective number three on the list so our, our collective number three, this, uh, to people who know me, should come as no surprise. It's got minis in it, and it's my number one game of all time. And it's also another come on title. Uh, I don't mind I don't mind putting come on on here yep. because they're the friggin' bomb. And that is uh, my personal favorite of Eric Lang's trilogy, Rising Sun. Oh, um, yeah. I love this game. I, I, I love this game. Every, I can remember so many uh games of this game because and this is what i think eric lang does really really well is creating that like above the table interaction like creating a framework in which it it forces you to interact and like really interact and talk with the people who you're playing against there's no multiplayer solitaire happening here it's it's like hey are we gonna go for this battle can we split up can we make like a sub deal we're in an alliance yes but are you going to do the thing that's not beneficial for me there's so much game that can happen here uh and one thing actually that i i think 
people people get thrown and they don't understand the game sometimes has to do with the minis and how cool the minis are because the sculpts of the monsters are really really cool because one of the biggest complaints about this game is that your monster can get can be taken hostage and people are upset when they spend three to four coins on a monster and then somebody takes them hostage and they don't get to be in a battle with that monster and i say yeah sorry that's a core element of the game is taking people hostage uh, you have to be prepared for that. It's like knowing knowing something could happen, like Loki could steal your points. Your monster could go away if you don't have the power to defend it. And I think that makes people a bit sore because of how the how fun the monsters are. And people are like, I just want to play with the monsters. Yeah. And they don't realize that like all, all avenues are balanced and it isn't just whoever buys the coolest monster wins. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I just think the 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 monsters and like the the minis elevate that presence so much the little strongholds that came with like the kickstarter exclusives i wish they came in the base game because they provide that table presence and that like surveying the surveying the provinces to see who's going to be spawning people where uh, i think that's that's one where I, I wish that was like in everything because i think it is so important and actually is really important to the gameplay uh and this is also this is my first um this is my first game from Command that I can remember where they used different colored plastic for the factions. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was so, so nice to people like myself who aren't that good at painting uh, or, or, or struggle with a basic wash. Being able to have that differentiation on the table really just like elevates it to, to an accessibility point. For, for anybody playing the game. And so you don't need to paint them uh, and, and you can still have the fun of the minis and and seeing the differences of the table presence and make it really readable. And, and, and I thought that was so slick and like see it as the standard moving forward. And that like, that was one of the first times where I could really clock that happening on, on like a larger scale scale mini. Um, so that also made me excited about it. But of course, it's my number one game. So I, I, I wanted to put it on the list. And wow, that's your number one game of all time. So I will yeah. stop. That's Damn. your number one game of all time. I love. Wow. Yeah. All, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I, this game reminds me of, um, you know, when you have different types of players at the table, they're going to affect your experience for any game. And I've had a really yeah. good experience with this game, but I've un unfortunately also had a really bad experience with this game. And it was just, I felt like the bad experience, We, I think it was like a four-player game, but for whatever reason, two of the players were super AP. Um, they were just going way, I don't know, just way uh, deep into this and worrying about every single alliance and whatnot, and it just dragged out the game. But thankfully, my last game of this that I played was a little bit more, you know, everyone sort of knew what they were doing, but they weren't going to sweat every single alliance and worry about getting all the different monsters and stuff. So that one picked up, that, that one played a lot more briskly. So I did enjoy that. So I don't know, Chris, in your experience playing this game, have you had that as well? Or is it, have you always just had an awesome time playing this game? Um, I've, I've, I've been in groups where I've had a less awesome time. Mm -hmm. Um, it's still been awesome cause I like what's happening, but yeah, yeah, I think, I think it is with games that have like a lot of above the table interaction and lots of like potential negotiation there, you need to have the, have a group that, that wants to engage in that similar way. And yeah. sometimes you get a player who's like too aggressive. It can kind of sour it, uh, 
generally it's been pretty good. Even this this summer, I played it with three people, two of which were like brand new to board games. Like okay. very, very brand new. It's like I taught them, I introduced a, the games to them all summer. Uh, and we played this in midway through that. And they, all three of them loved it though. We, okay. it, it took us five hours and they were engaged the entire time just like because we were all ready to like I set up I I premised it I was like listen this is probably going to take a long time especially cuz you're all new there's going to be lots of talking but like if you're if you're in for the long haul like you'll have a good time and they're like we're all in uh, and so we had uh they all had a had a great time awesome because of that I think but I, I yeah. agree I agree that like anything that can be very player dependent for sure yeah yeah cool awesome so that's our number three that was rising sun let's go to number two we got two more games left folks uh i'll take the number two spot our collective uh top 12 games with miniatures and my number two is a game it's actually it was a re-implementation of a long-running series and it is zombicide black plague so I played the original Zombicide, and I love that theme. And I also love the one, I, I don't know if it was the original one or the second one or whatever, where they're in a shopping mall. Because I love the old George Romero movies, and I watched them all, uh, Dawn of the Dead, uh, Night of the Living Dead, et cetera, et cetera. And I love the theme of, hey, it's us, our little you know group that we've banded together. We're going to get through this mission and just slaughter a bunch of zombies. Um, but I remember the first time I played Zombicide, I didn't pick up on it as well as I wanted to. For whatever reason, the rules were a little bit messy from what I remember. And then, so I, I just, I stayed away from Zombicide until Black Plague. And then the I think the next one after this was Green Horde. And now the, I prefer the mall setting, but these take you back to, you know, fa uh, fantasy setting. But I felt like the rules and everything were a lot more streamlined. And they just seemed a lot more easy for me to pick up and... <clears throat> Just like the other ones, you have missions to complete. And come on, it's all about slaughtering zombies, folks. And that's what this comes in. There's tons of that in this game. And another game that we've talked about all the time uh, during this list where those minis really bring you into the theme of the game. And as Travis had talked about earlier, just very, for me, um, this one is super, super um, cinematic. And, you know, just... Uh, thinking about all those great mob, uh, movies where, you know, zombies are getting slaughtered. That's the first thing I think of. And it's like, yeah, we're doing it. We can get through it. And then having that inevitable moment, it's like, oh, we're not going to do it. We're dead. Um, that always cracks me up because that's what, what happens in yeah. these movies. But every now and then you do get to uh, taste the uh, sweet, um, delicious taste of victory, which is uh, fun. And um, in Black Plague, you have different, you know, a bunch of different missions you can do. It's a classic. And for my money, probably the best um, of the series. That is our number two, Zombicide Black Plague. Another fun one. Yeah. A classic. I, I love yeah. that one. 100%. Okay. I could I could talk for hours about Zombicide versus Massive Darkness 2, and I have. Yeah. Uh, but that's for a different, <laughs> a different time. Nice. Um, yeah, Zombicide is a great pick because of that sort of like presence as well as the hordes move towards you. Yep. I think it, it kind of captures a similar thing. Totally. All right. One more game, folks. It's back to Richard. Let's hear what he's got for us. Okay. I was actually going to do the number one tomorrow morning on the road. I thought it'd be fun. But then Jen said, no, you got to do it here because the lighthouse just came on. You can't quite see, but you can see it's casting light and uh, stuff onto the trees. And then, of course, the sun, she's a going down. Oh, it's beautiful. Absolutely wonderful. And what better way 
to uh, end uh, with our wonderful countdown number one. Uh, before I uh, give it away, I'm sorry, those are three more I don't care about. Those three typify everything I generally don't care for with miniature games. But our number one, oh my gosh, the greatest miniature heavy game of all time has to be Project Elite from Artipia Games. Man, this game is something special. A cooperative board game that truly captures the intensity of a high-velocity shooter video game and also the uh, ambiance and dread and excitement of James Cameron aliens. This is so smart. Players are rolling dice as fast as they can, desperately trying to get the symbols they need to be able to move around, to fight the aliens, um, to you know activate, interact with the world and stuff like that. But the important thing is you will often find yourself, um, what do you call it, a rolling skulls. And every time you got roll a skull, that means you got to stop what you're doing, pick an alien, and move them one step closer to destroying our dropship. Because the board is brilliantly set up, even in these really, really tense, high-octane, high-pressure situations, the rules overhead is incredibly simple, and um, that's really important. But the brilliant thing about this design is you'll only do that high-intensity roll, 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 roll as fast as you can for a little bit, um, and then when the timer comes out, then things slow down. The bad guys start doing really cool special powers and whatnot that will mess you up if you left them in the right position. So it's as important about p putting yourself in the right spot and making sure the bad guys aren't where they're going to do more damage. And the game comes with several different mission types. Uh, it's got a bunch of expansions. It got a, a very nice upgraded uh, reprint from Cool Mini or Not. Uh, surprisingly enough, I think that's awesome that Artipia laid the groundwork and then Cool Mini or Not, uh, you know, got it across the finish line. It is brilliant. I can't believe it wasn't on any of your lists. It is, as far as I'm concerned, the best heavy miniatures game of all time. Uh, and folks, I'll let it go back to them, but remember the show's not over. If um, you follow the links down in the show notes, you can go to the extended playthrough where we will talk about some other miniatures, because believe it or not, I got a bunch more miniature games to talk about. That'll be in the post show of the extended. But anyway, back to you guys one more time. All right. Yeah. Project Elite. That is a big hit. Um, it was a big hit a couple of years ago. I know people love, love, love this game. I love the whole real time element to it. I, it just it captures that feeling of, as uh, Richard said, just massive, you know, gunplay or whatever. Um, but uh, any final thoughts before we wrap this up, guys? Oh, um, so Travis, you go first. So many Simon games. What do you know? <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, it's almost great. like it's... they're pretty good at what they do. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I think that was Andrew's intention when he asked me to come on here. Now <laughs> are a forerunner of that stuff. But there's lots of, I mean, there's, you know, the reality is a lot of these games could exist without miniatures, but the miniatures do really elevate the experience a lot of the time, Agreed. especially if you're playing something that's like an experiential game. Something like, can you imagine playing... Project Elite with tokens, having to like man manipulate flat objects awkwardly, picking them up yeah. and moving them, it would be awful. Yeah. It would be really yeah. awful. 
Absolutely. But no, I mean, it, it's it's honestly, I, I have a sense of pride uh, that so many of the games that we make made it onto you guys' list. Thank you. And I appreciate that you let me bribe you into putting all of our games on the list. It was <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're off the air right now, right? Oh, uh, oops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Whoops. But uh, thank you, Travis, for joining us. I really appreciate you taking Thanks. the time. And uh, thank you again, Chris. And thank you all for watching. Be sure to hit, click the show notes below for the extended edition. We talk about all kinds of different games, and we've got one more thing that Chris needs to talk about right now. Uh, Chris, what you got on the table there? That's true. Before we go, I want to thank our sponsor as well, Crafting Kingdoms. There we go. It's the nice, the nice big view, so I can put on oh, my my games are rattling around safely inside because of how uh, gorgeous these bags are. Uh, thank you again for sponsoring the show. Definitely, definitely go and check out their their Kickstarter campaign. These bags are so well made. They add like such beautiful little details that I love so much. Like these these little patches, you can get like a dice or a meeple. Uh, or I I know when they sponsored the last episode, um, they were, we were talking about maybe getting some flamecraft designs on there. Hey Travis, I can put you in touch with them if you want to make some come on branded bags too. Uh, it's it's just yeah, they're just they're just super. They're super well-made, super cool, and for sure, go check out their campaign down below in the show notes. Thanks again to Crafting Kingdoms for sponsoring the episode, and thanks to my light for not falling over this time. And that'll do it for the R&R&R show, episode 75. Take care, everybody. See you later. So long. Bye-bye. And we are back. Hello. Friends in chat, thank you for hanging out for the extended edition. Well, we're going to talk about a few more games. Let's see That's what true. Richard's got. And uh, Richard, what do you got for us? Okay, we've made it to the next day, and uh, the show's about to go live, so i got to get this filmed and uploaded. Welcome to the post-show, everybody. Although I'm sure Ruel and everybody else have already done that. Here's the other thing we're doing on the road, playing games. I'm just in the middle of setting up uh, Books of Time. I'm sure Jen is absolutely going to love it. Although this little dinette table has proven not to be enough, so we bought an extra little table uh, to be able to make sure it's actually doable. Jen, meanwhile, is over there cooking breakfast. There she is. Hi, honey pie. And um, we're just waiting for the sun to get a little bit closer. You can see the sunline approaching us so that we can deploy the solar to start recharging our batteries. But the post show is supposed to be about also ran. So I've talked about my top three uh, miniature games, but let's do a quick top 10 countdown style. Number 10 myth. An absolutely brilliant game that does such an amazing job of making hordes of miniature monsters coming for you. So simple and easy to manage. Uh, could have been one of the all-time greats if it didn't also have one of the all-time worst rule books, unfortunately. Number nine, Aftermath. Jerry Hawthorne continues to refine his formula that he introduced in... Um, Oh, Mice and Mystics, and Aftermath, I think, to date, is his best game. Uh, you know, playing miniature skirmish battles on a wonderful storybook, and, uh, you know, really cool, lovely uh, worlds to explore. Uh, number eight, Kick-Ass, the board game, which is a criminally overlooked game. I swear, Travis, I am not just going out of my way to put cool mini or not games. It's, you're cool mini or not. Of course you're going to have uh, a higher preponderance of games that have miniatures and Kick-Ass did such an amazing job of ca capturing that feel of a superhero trying to balance their superheroics and their day-to-day -day life. And I absolutely loved that. And then 
on top of that, lots of miniatures running around on the map trying to beat them all up, superhero style. Let's see, so that was number 1098. Seven, Ether Fields, uh, which, if you got the Deluxe Edition, came with so many miniatures. So I'm going to consider it a uh, mini game, and it's absolutely brilliant. I'm pretty sure Chris loves it too. Uh, wonderful fusion of deck building and gothic horror adventure exploration. Uh, let's see, uh, number 10, 9, 8, 7. I should have really written these numbers down. Six <laughs> is uh, Walking Dead No Sanctuary. And, oh man, talk about another criminally overlooked game. Cooperative game set in the Walking Dead universe from the Sadler Brothers, I think, if I recall correctly, as designers. And it had such a brilliant system of, even though we're working cooperatively, um, because of limited communication, there's this whole system of one player is the leader, they set the agenda for what we're going to do, and then all other players have to play cards with that in mind, but they might not want to. And so, if I set the agenda for we're going to be really sneaky this turn, but it's the perfect time for you to play an aggressive card, and you play an aggressive card, that hit it's my morale as leader and has an effect on me, and it's super cool. Plus, it's back from when The Walking Dead was really good. Alrighty, um, number five, Stars of Icarus. Again, you've uh, these last three, they're miniature heavy games if you got the deluxe versions, because they also have cardboard standees, but you know, Stars of Icarus is Gloomhaven crossed with um, Battlestar Galactica, crossed with uh, The Seventh Continent, which is an awesome combination of stuff, and again, has a lot of cool spaceship miniatures. And then number four, well, like I said, you stole it from me. Mechs versus minions, but it was the right call. Alrighty, back to you guys. Okay, yeah, lots of great games there. Thank you, Richard, for that. Uh, Chris and uh, Travis, any games off uh, that didn't make your list or didn't make the uh, official list uh, that you want to talk about? Chris. Okay, yeah, I'll go. Um, <laughs> we both offered it up to each other. Uh, <laughs> Etherfields was close, was was kind of on my short list. Uh, Richard mentioned that I enjoy that game. I do. Uh, I see Sailnit in the con comments saying that minis don't do anything for Etherfields. I think they do significantly less for Tainted Grail. But I think mm. for Etherfields, there's, there's, I, I like having the mini presence on there. Um, I, they, they kind of flow in and out. I feel like the minis in Tainted Grail really just didn't do anything at all. But like for the Ether Fields, I need to justify why I went all in on that one. So I'm going to say that they do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also had I had Nemesis on my on my short list as well. Uh, like I mentioned in, in in the episode, Monster Hunter World was on my short list as well, but it only has four big monsters. But they are like the heaviest minis I've ever felt in a game. Um, yeah, and and a bunch of uh, honestly, a lot of mine were touched upon. One that I was surprised didn't make it on the list. I haven't yet played it, but I backed uh, season four or season three is Death May Die. Mm -hmm. uh, I yeah. was I was expecting that to get on the list because I Same. know it's super well loved by by people and super well loved by people who share like a similar um, uh, a similar gaming profile to me. So I I have a I'm pretty confident that I'm going to love love it a ton but i haven't yet played it so so that's why i didn't make my list but i that's that was one that i expected to see that i didn't same nice right you travis well, anything yeah. didn't make the list i mean well initially i had when i wrote down my i wrote down 10 and they were almost all simon games and i was like this isn't going to look good so <laughs> I, had to, I had to dig a little deeper uh um but yeah, I mean, I I quite like the game the the Great Wall from uh, Awakened Realms. I feel like that's a cool game, mm -hmm. although it is a little strange that the 
incoming hordes are just kind of cards with Tetris formations on them yeah. that you put your cool miniatures on. So there's a little bit of a weird disconnect there, but I quite like that game. Cthulhu Wars, obviously cool for kind of the first. Yeah. Game. I worked on a game called Mezzo um, at Colossal Games, which is a really good, very underrated area control. It's like an area control game where you skip all the preamble, um, mm. like the, mm-hmm. the refractory nonsense of all my stuff died and I go home and then I rebuild and then I move out. Um, I, I Kemet is another one I think people probably yep. would think of. Yeah. Right. Kemet is one of the... It, Cyclades was one of the first games I played, or Cyclades, or however the hell you pronounce it, mm-hmm. uh, was one of the first games I played with miniatures that really uh, stood out to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's lots and lots. I tend to the more and more I play games, the more and more I'm I'm gravitating toward these kind of experiential, long, hard to learn, uh, hard to remember mm-hmm. the rules kind of <laughs> games. They're the ones that I'm. You know, I set them up. I'll learn. I've set up ISS Vanguard like five times to play it. And yeah. then I'm like, I don't know that I can do this. And then <laughs> I <pull it> away. <laughs> and, and then I relearn the rules. And then thank God for Shay because yeah, you yes. make videos for all these things. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I That's kind of where my my interests are starting to lie more and more as a player mm-hmm. um, is, is in these. I bought the Vampire Chapters game. Have you picked the box up for this game? No, but I, I know what you're talking about. Pack. Yeah. I bought a bag to carry the game because I'm not <laughs> with the expansions at Gen Con. It weighed, I would guess, 50 to 60 pounds. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And uh, it has minis in it, but the minis, you know, they're just little movers. They could be standees or yeah. whatever. But um, I don't know. Yeah. Cool. These games tend to I like miniatures. They're they're fun. They are. You know, yeah, they they're are a fun, fun thing. Yeah. Totally. Uh, I got a, f- a couple of fun ones on my list. I didn't make the official uh, My Little Scythe. Um, you know, that it's the, the kids' version of Scythe, and just those miniatures themselves are just outstanding. Super cartoony, um, and I love that. Uh, Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea, a 4X game. It is Scott Alms's, uh tiny epic game that was actually epic epic. And, you know, I thought about doing Twilight Imperium, but, you know, honestly, those minis, they're all the same. They're just different colors, the ships and stuff. But uh, Heroes of uh, Land, Air, and Sea, they have a bunch of different uh, sculpts in that game. Uh, another one, Cry Havoc. Uh, I think it's a totally underrated game, a space a sci-fi area control game yeah. uh, with a really unique uh, combat system. Uh, number, let's see, the other one, oh, of course I had Blood Rage at the top of my list, and uh, the other one I thought was a uh, really cool uh, game called Court of the Dead Mourner's Call, another semi Blood Rage's, Blood Rage type game, but this one has a very uh, cool semi-cooperative um, element to it, uh, designed by Pat Marino, who's done a bunch of games for the op uh, these days, but uh, crazy good sculpts. It's from Sideshow Collectibles, and they that's what their main business is, and then they do it in board game form, I thought it was really cool. So, some of the games that didn't make the list, cool. folks, and um, why don't we call that the show, because we're getting close to the 2 o'clock hour. Once again, want to thank Travis for joining us today. Travis, you're Wonderful. Really appreciate you sharing your story and also all the uh, great miniature games that we talked about today. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's all right. an honor. And uh, Chris, uh, any final mm-hmm. thoughts before we uh, start the raid for another channel here? 
Uh, no, I think I think going into the raid. Well, one uh, Ginga Four L says no love for Arcadia Quest uh-huh. uh, in the, in the comments. So that's another that's another another solid one. I'd be interested to to hear Travis your list of uh, command titles that you that you had that didn't get mentioned as well to finish us off uh, as we go into there. But yeah, tons of tons of lovely miniature games. Yeah. Um, and uh, this was uh, honestly super blast hanging out. And I'm just I'm like genuinely. I haven't been able to stop half thinking about Survivor since you brought it up. And so I'm so I watched like, it, man. I gotta watch the last. I'm like, I, I'm, like <laughs> I'm so I'm so starstruck that like I'm this close <laughs> to someone who was so close to being on the show, and I'm being very honest about that. Try again. Uh, <laughs> yes. All right, folks. Thanks again for tuning in. We're sending you on the raid to Bonzinator. Uh, stick around because you're going to get more grotto points that you can spend here on the channel. And give me 10 seconds. We're going to raid Bonds. Bonzinator is playing some board games. I believe she's playing Welcome To right now uh, with her audience. So show some love to Bonds. Uh, she's a friend and an awesome content creator. You're raiding right now. And let's see if it's gone through. It has gone through.